Hi, this is The Greatest Story Ever Played. I'm Dan. I'm Jordan. And today we're going to be talking about The Outer Worlds. Yeah, awesome. Really fun game. Before we get any farther, I just want to give you guys a heads up. I'm recovering from a flu cold thing. Uh, not, not COVID. Got tested. Negative. Great. But I have a slight cough, so the more I talk, the more I might cough, so I'm going to do my best to hide that. But just apologies ahead of time if there's some rando coughs going on. It's, it's just me. So, yeah. Cool. So jumping in, description here is lost in transit while on a colonist ship bound for the furthest edge of the galaxy. You awake decades later than you expected, only to find yourself in the midst of a deep conspiracy threatening to destroy the uh, Halcyon colony. As you explore the furthest reaches of space and encounter a host of factions all vying for power, who you decide to become will determine the fate of everyone in Halcyon. In the corporate equation for the colony, you're the unplanned variable. Welcome to the future. Try not to break it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then a little background on the game is it was developed by Obsidian Entertainment, who are known for uh, a lot of games, but some highlights being Fallout New Vegas, Pillars of Eternity, Knights of the Old Republic 2, uh, stuff like that. I know you're definitely a big New Vegas guy. Oh, huge. Yeah, that's, uh, I think, yeah, it's probably my favorite Fallout game. It's so fun so good and i've never played uh coder or have i don't know how you say the acronym but um knights of the old public too but i heard it was really good and i think they're making another one so i'll definitely play that yeah i've heard those games are great i really wish that i could get the first one it sounds like the first one is like up there like top tier kind of game um but i think it's old enough that it's not really on anything new like even remasters yeah, I think the the second one got remastered on uh, maybe 360 or PS3, which now you can play on Xbox Ones or PS4s, but I, I, I don't know if it's worth it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I feel like a remaster on an, <laughs> an old console that's ported to a new console can't be great, but you never know. Right, you'd think it would just end up being kind of rough. Um, but yeah, that's a little background on the game itself. So... This game, the way it's uh, set up is, I would say, pretty similar to Mass Effect, where you have a crew of people, potential companions, and two of them go on with go with you on missions, and you know you go through different planets and all of that stuff. Um, so I think before we get into the game, I think talking about the companions is important. And so we asked this question: uh, Who were your favorite companions? So who were yours? The uh, Pavardi was my absolute favorite companion, and then I also liked Felix, but I didn't really try a whole lot of companions after those two. So, like, I definitely, Pavardi was my favorite. I did all her her backstory quests. Felix, I did some, but the other ones I just didn't really use a whole lot. So, my second one for Felix is kind of just a throwaway answer. Uh, so, my real answer is just Pavardi is my favorite companion, um, which I, I think is pretty universally agreed upon that she's the coolest. But yeah, uh, they were both really cool. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, okay, so for you, was Felix kind of the guy you had around most often, but it was sort of, you'd kind of throw other ones in occasionally, but it was mostly him? Yeah. Um, yeah, mostly I just, I think I liked his, his like, combat, or his, his like, uh, companion buff was helpful for combat. Mm-hmm. And I just liked having a third guy to shoot things for me, so. Right. That's like the only reason I had him around. I didn't necessarily like him or dislike him. 
the things I liked about him was he was kind of a, his character was like a, a guy who was just excited to be out and exploring stuff. So he was just really excited to, to journey with you and shoot things and have fun. So I, I liked that about him. But other than that, there was like nothing in my opinion that was like, he didn't blow me away um, with his backstory or anything like that. Sure. Okay, cool. No, that's awesome. Uh, like you, uh, Pravardi was my favorite as well. Uh, yeah, like you said, I'm pretty sure that's universal. I think she's probably on everyone's favorites. She was uh, always on all of my missions. She's my favorite. She's great. And then uh, I used Ellie quite a lot as my kind of second companion. She was uh, the medic. You pick her up at Groundbreaker. And she's... Uh, like sassy and stuff like that so she, she was pretty fun i had her uh a good amount i also used neoka quite a bit i once i got ellie i ended up using her more than neoka but um i used neoka a lot before i got ellie um and neoka is like a bounty hunter and she's a badass uh and okay and her, i do remember her vaguely. and her side story is really good yeah that's that's i guess also something in this game um which yours might be different or how you did it might be different than mine but you can get up to six companions, but you don't have to get them all. Um, like, I actually missed Ellie and Sam at first, and I went back and, like, figured out where they were and got them. Um, so you can really play the game probably ending up only with a couple of the companions. Like, it'd be hard to not get Pravardi unless you start the game pretty chaotically. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> otherwise, it's pretty easy to have her on your team. And, and then... Nioka is like a non-negotiable. You have to meet her for a mission, but I think the other four you could miss out on if you were not if you didn't want them. So, yeah, kind of interesting. Yeah, I definitely remember uh, Sam for sure. I did later on in the game. Vicar Max, I don't. Yeah, I feel like him and Felix and Sam. When I remember, I went out of my way to to talk to them and try to recruit them. So I. I I don't think you... Yeah, definitely didn't have to do that. Yeah. I, Pravardi more felt like it just kind of happened naturally. Right. Yeah, her, yeah, hers happened naturally. Yeah, I didn't realize that Sam, uh, <laughs> the robot, was just in uh, a back room on the ship for a while. And I was like, where are the other companions? And then I looked up a guide. And it was like, oh, he's in yeah. there. Have party, Pravardi fix him. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so those are our answers. Uh, we'll go through some ones we got from listeners. Ben on Twitter said, there's surely only one answer to this, Parvardi. Um, yep, agreed. Yep, we're going to see a lot of those uh, answers. But <laughs> Nikki on Twitter said, Parvardi, my sweet bean. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Manuel said, Parvardi and Ellie. So same as me. Mm-hmm. Rez on Twitter said, Parvardi. Tom on Twitter said, Ellie was all around cool, but Vicar Max had some badass lines for his special. Yeah, the more I did a side quest that was a Vicar Max one, and he was cooler than I thought when I met him. I think he would have been fun to have as a, uh, a primary. I didn't really use him aside from his quest, though. Yeah, I, I didn't really use him either. Um, yeah, seems like worth maybe going back and trying some of these other characters out, though, which would be cool. Mm-hmm. Fusro on Twitter said, Pravati and Max by a mile. They had interesting story arcs, great voice actors, and super useful in-combat abilities. Mm-hmm. Brockers on Reddit said, My favorite companions were Ellie and Vicar Max. Uh, Warden on Reddit said, My favorite companion was Pravati. 
Yochlo on Reddit said, Vicar Max has a special sort of dad vibe that I enjoyed, as well as having an interesting storyline. Felix is my most favorite because he maintains a lot of sort of childlike wonder and hope, no matter what happens. Yeah, I like that about Felix, too. Mm-hmm. Um, Ape, Apes Tech on Reddit said, Nioka and Pavati, I feel like I'm butcher, butchering her name every time I say it, <laughs> but yeah, Nioka is such a badass. I love watching her chug her beer as she fires off a heavy machine gun. I also find her companion story very interesting. Pravati, well, Pravati is Pravati. Yep. And then uh, Gerard on Reddit says, Pravati has to be my clear favorite among companions. Charming, positive, funny. I don't think it was a mistake that she was so front and center. I agree. Also Mm -hmm. uh, voiced by Ashley Birch, who is fantastic, who we... No, and love from Life is Strange and Horizon Zero Dawn and all that good stuff. So, Pavardi's great. They continue. They say, The Vicar's dry snark is fun for a while. I didn't think any of the robot humor with Sam really worked, though. He didn't make me laugh at all. Nyoka was interesting with her request. Ellie's standoffishness made her hard to like. Felix was just there. So, um, <laughs> a good summary for them of how they felt about the different characters. So, that's uh, the potential team you can have, and every mission, anytime you go anywhere, you can have any combo of the two of them. They each have their different um, abilities or natural skill sets, stuff like that, which can help you in different instances. Um, like, Vicar Max is good at lock picking, and so when I needed a lock picked, I had him and he helped boost my stats for that. Or Pervardi is uh, a good mechanic, so she can, you know, fix things. Your medical goes up when you have Ellie with you, etc. So you can kind of um, set your team based on the lineup you want or how your character is and what you want boosted up or or just who you like, you know. <laughs> There's really a lot of options. Yeah, which is, I think, is pretty cool. Um, yeah, I think they gave, there's a companion for each uh, sub skill or I don't know what you'd call it other skill you can have uh, which I think they did well mm-hmm. um, and I I, uh, I I like Sam actually too he was my behind Felix he was one of my other favorites I, I actually liked his humor I thought he was pretty funny just a you know a robot but he always talked about cleaning stuff up which he meant just murdering things which was great <laughs> uh, that was pretty funny <laughs> that's awesome yeah that's funny uh, I, I never ended up using him I just made him like come alive and be part of my crew and i talked to him like once or twice on the ship but i never took him out um so maybe i should have um cool okay now we'll i guess get into uh what the game itself actually is so first uh the game begins and you create your character so you can create what they look like um you can choose what kind of job they have and or would have on the colony and then that sort of uh, indicates what stats will be higher when you start, stuff like that. The game begins, you finish your character creation, and it begins by you getting woken up on the Hope by Dr. Phineas Wells. And Wells enlists you in his plan to challenge the board. So you've been, you know, frozen in this ship for hundreds of years, and when your ship got here, the board uh, more or less decided, well, we don't really have anything to do for these people. We can't use them right now, so we'll just leave them in space. And, you know, we'll deal with it someday. 
Um, and <laughs> Pretty fucked up. <laughs> yeah, definitely shitty. Um, and Phineas Wells is sort of this um, renegade rogue scientist kind of guy. And so he figures out you're there and figures out that the ship is there and is like, okay, well, maybe I'll try to release several of these passengers to be able to help me. And uh, you're the one that works out. And so you're thrust into this kind of new world, um, learning about it just like your character is. Because your character has never done any of this either. You know, they left Earth a couple hundred years ago planning to be here, you know. So um, (laughs) it's kind of a wild thing you're getting thrown into just to start off. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of, not a lot of overhead, but definitely some overhead figuring out what the hell was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think they gave you enough information about what was going on, but I was definitely very interested in, like, the backstory and the lore behind the board and these planets and that kind of stuff. So I, I, th- I thought they did that pretty well. I, yeah, I agree. I was like, what the hell's going on? But I wanted to know more. Um, so I agree. I think they nailed that as an opener as to, like, okay, what's what's everything happening and so what happens is from here is you get sent out in like a escape pod to a planet called em- emerald vale and you're supposed to meet up with one of phineas wells guys and you know go from there and you're supposed to meet up with a guy named <laughs> uh captain alex hawthorne and uh wells gives hawthorne uh coordinates as to where to meet up with you um unfortunately <laughs> Hawthorne is exactly at that spot, and your escape pod smashes him and kills him. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Which uh, I thought was a pretty good intro to the humor in this game. It was like, oh, no, you crushed Captain Hawthorne. He took it too literally. (laughs) Yeah, literally right where the the beacon was, where the ship was going to land. And then Wells was like, all right, well, you know, whatever. He's kind of dumb. Uh (laughs) <laughs> obviously so whatever we can make do without him uh and he he kind of gives you some guidance from afar as to what to do and so what you do is you end up taking over alex hawthorne's identity you to kind of continue your mission you go to alex hawthorne's ship and the ship is um like ai it's a uh, uh, named aid ida um and she's talking with you, and she's like, oh, I can't take uh, orders from anyone except Catherine Hawthorne. Are you Captain Hawthorne? And you're like, no. And she's like, let me ask you again. <laughs> are, are you that? And you're like, oh, yeah, I am. And she's like, okay, thanks, Captain Hawthorne. I'm glad you're back. Um, remember to be, <laughs> yeah. be careful um, next time kind of thing. And you're like, okay. Sounds good. And you find out that you need a power regulator for your ship um, because your new ship, when it made its like landing, uh, was hurt some on the way down and also um, illegally landed. So all of the planets have certain places you're allowed to land your ship. Otherwise, you could be subject to fines or being attacked or whatever. Uh, also, your ship is called the Unreliable, which is really funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lots of... Little dry, you know, points of humor in this game. Yeah. <laughs> this is one of those, for sure. Yeah, I liked um on your, like, loading screens where it's, like, surprisingly, the unreliable takes flight. Like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's... Yeah. The, yeah, again, that's just what the humor is like through this game. You get little things like that 
literally the whole time on your loading screens when you interact with people like that's just sort of the vibe this game has which is fun Mm -hmm. so from here you head into the nearby town to find out where you can get uh this power regulator you meet with a guy named reed thompson who is the leader of this town and ask about this power regulator and he lets you know well we have two power regulators one's in our town we need it there's another one that's outside of town and i actually have some workers that um are supposed to work here on this planet working in our saltuna factory and they abandoned their posts, so I would like you to go just steal theirs, and you can divert all the power to the factory so that our planet can, you know, keep being productive, and the board will, like, uh, keep us on the keep us as a, a planet and company for them. From here, you go out and start to explore the city. He also, you meet Pravardi when uh, you do this. She is the mechanic here and so uh reed is like she could help you with the power regulator kind of thing and so you meet her and she's just this like super positive mechanic who's um like kind of country and just like innocent basically yeah and i forget yeah she like learned about being a mechanic from her dad yeah as well which I, who i think i think is dead i can't remember I'm pretty sure he's dead yeah, I think he's dead as well. Yeah. So this is do you so do you have to be do you have to get her as a companion? Do you know? I think you have to have her help you on the beginning of the mission at least. Because you end up going with her out into uh where the deserters are, you talk with them and ultimately you can steal the uh power supply thing from out there where they are that's uh keeping their like camp afloat and you end up actually getting your kind of uh first major decision in the game and these happen occasionally through it but this was one where it was very noticeable which is you can either redirect the power all to the town like you were asked to or you can take it away from the town and redirect it towards the deserters um which I redirected it towards the town, um, and then I used my time with the deserters to try to convince all of them to go back, which I think all of them ended up being willing to, except for the leader who did not like me and uh, just <laughs> just stayed out there and I assume died. Yeah, I think that's what I did as well. Yeah, it seemed better to divert it to the town because there's more people living there, and it was safer than... <laughs> the whatever colony they had out there right uh, so it seemed like just the best best case solution like get everyone back in the town and doing stuff together again yeah i thought so too and and i guess also this gives you uh an intro of like outside of the town there are a bunch of bandits everywhere so it's pretty dangerous out there and then also there's um raptodons which kind of look like dinosaurs that like spit venom from jurassic park <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're hard to kill well, they can be hard to kill, especially for a rando town person. They'd be destroyed. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah, for your average person like living up in the colonies, it could be a mess. And also what you kind of see in this is the town is like a, like a really majorly suffering colony. Like they're destitute. They're super poor. They don't have a lot of food. 
all of that, but it's like they they're basically doing what they have to. You even to me at least I didn't think that Reed Thompson was even bad necessarily. It seems like he was just kind of I'm the guy in charge, so I got to deal with what, you know, what's going on. Yeah. That that's how I felt too. I mean, it's yeah, you start to see pretty quickly like the board isn't too great most of the time. Mm-hmm. Like he so they were essentially being underfunded because they weren't producing things. So his Reed Thompson's motivation was to get to make Saltuna again and producing things so the board would support them and give them money. Right. So yeah, they're all about productivity and, and, and money. So if you're not making money, you're not productive, you're kinda of cut off. So it seemed yeah, it does seem like he was just doing what he felt like he had to do to keep people alive. Right. And and uh for him too, it's not like he gets, you know, replacement workers when these ones walked off. It's just their productions, those man hours are gone, so to speak. And also that even like the equipment at the factory and stuff, it's like they won't give us new ones, so we just gotta like keep making what we have last, which was a key role it seemed like for Pravardi and her dad of like keeping things afloat longer because they could keep repairing things and stuff. So it's it's not a great uh, situation to really be in. So yeah, I, I felt like it was like, I didn't want to take from the town. It was like they're, I feel like kind of just doing what they have to. Um, and like the deserters, especially the, the boss of the deserters, like I get why she was upset, but it seemed like she was like, yeah, just unwilling to really work with it at the town like she just wasn't going to do it but i was able to convince everyone else to go back and so like i did their little missions they wanted done so that they could feel good about going back to town and working so it was like that seems like the better thing like if most people will try to make this work back in town like that seems good yeah cool um and the last really major thing uh, that can happen here is so you can recruit Pravardi here. Um, you you work with her before this, but then you can basically be like, I need a mechanic on my ship. Do you want to come? And she'll say yes. You can also recruit Vicar Max here. He is the preacher basically in this town, but has uh, since given or is starting to give up faith in uh, the. Uh, higher meaning i think is what they call it i forget what they call it yeah yeah it's their version of god essentially but yeah i forget what they what they call it and what they think about it yeah because they talk a lot about like the plan and like the architect or like things like that sort of um where it's like you know they believe god made all the things in the background or whatever sort of deal so that's what he is and he's like (laughs) <laughs> sort of a, uh, like a wild card of a preacher because he is also like looking for forbidden for religious text because he's like if I could crack the code like but that would be really big into understanding like the universe and philosophy and stuff so that's like what he kind of is like and then you can also um get Sam here as well because you can have Pravati fix him uh, on the ship so three uh potential companions to get right away at your first planet once you resolve this, Phineas Wells sends you to Groundbreaker, which is um, a ship, a really big ship in space that is outside of the board's jurisdiction, but works kind of with it. So they're they're interesting. They're neutral. Like the board is like leader over all of the other planets you interact with, but Groundbreaker is sort of this independent, a free state, so to speak, that is within 
still the galaxy here together where they're all like still like trade and all of that stuff yeah it's like the switzerland of uh the outer worlds yeah yeah exactly so it's kind of a unique second place to go to um and the reason well sends you here is you need to talk to gladys to get a nav key to go to monarch and so a nav key is a basically a landing authorization and monarch is the capital city uh wells wants you to go there for something so you've got to stop by groundbreaker to be able to get this to happen while you're on groundbreaker you meet june lay tennyson she's the leader of groundbreaker and has her like grandma was the leader and like main mechanic for this place and then her mom was and that got passed down to her now ultimately and uh Privardi has a big crush on her um <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh that storyline is great we'll end up talking more about it later but uh you know Privardi's immediately excited and shy because she's like knows of june lay tennyson from like uh being really into mechanic stuff and she's like oh my god it's her i can't believe i'm meeting her uh and then it's like oh my gosh she's so cute too like it, it, it's kind of all of that <laughs> um <laughs> yeah she's like a famous mechanic in the mechanic world yeah which is Pravardi talks about it all the time yeah yeah you, like Pravardi before you meet her is so excited like oh my god her like she's so big in mechanic stuff like you look up to her and then she meets her and all of that so that was cool basically your time here on Groundbreaker is doing various jobs to save up money for this nav key because it costs quite a bit of money I think it costs like 10000 dollars or whatever yeah it, it was enough that it was kind of i remember when they first told me the the total i was like what <laughs> that's i have like one percent of that so it, it was enough that it seems kind of daunting yeah it was a lot and it made you do a lot of like side quest and stuff like that to be able to buy it i found out because i was trying to look up something related to this chapter where I think I got stuck or confused because I didn't want to like kill someone if I wasn't supposed to. Um, <laughs> and yeah. I found out that you can actually just not buy the nav key and park really far away on Monarch in a dangerous area. So I ended up doing that and saving my money. Oh, I didn't know you could do that actually. Yeah. There's like um, a side on like the opposite side of Monarch where there's like a landing pad you can do, but then there's just like Raptodons and uh, Marauders and shit everywhere and they're all way higher level than you, so you can just get killed pretty easy. Okay. Yeah, I definitely ended up going there at some point. Yeah, I didn't know you could do that before. Yeah, I ended up doing that, and then I, like, tried to fight them for a minute, and it was like, they're clearly way better than me. So then I just <laughs> ran all the way to Monarch and just ran past everyone <laughs> and just did it, like, the Smart. cheap way of, like... Yeah, coward's way out. Yeah, nice. yeah just ran by everyone. <laughs> um, but save up money for this nav key, get to do side quests, more time at Groundbreaker. Also, you can recruit two companions here. You can recruit Ellie. Um, she's in the medical wing, and you can do uh, a side quest for her that will ultimately let you invite her into your group. And then Felix also, you meet him, uh, I think, right away, because he's basically like, hey, you've got a ship. I'd like to you know, go on adventures. Um, could you use me, basically? And you can be like, yeah, sure, come aboard. So your crew is getting bigger. Um, you're experiencing more of uh, what Halcyon is, at this point, you've gone to two places and have done 
numerous side quests and saved up money and all of that. So uh, I would say at this point, you've actually gotten to do a fair amount and are starting to kind of understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's also worth noting, too, you can kind of jump around to these planets in the Groundbreaker kind of when you whenever you want to for the most part. I think there's some that you can't get to until you get farther in the story, but once you've unlocked all of them, you can kind of jump in and out of them, and they, they kind of make up the overall, like, open world of the game, which is it's just cool. So it's not just one giant sandbox, it's multiple small sandboxes that make up the big one. Yeah, yeah, good point. Um, yeah, I think even from these... Uh like you said, the missions on Groundbreaker, I think some of them may take you to some of the planets we'll talk about in a minute. But I don't, yeah, I don't remember full on. But so the way we're doing it is definitely hitting up planet by planet with like the the main story part. But um, you can travel back and forth as much as you want. And, you know, there's a lot of side quests to do if you want to. Like you can um, really spend a lot of time in this game and in, all of the planets like there's a lot to do on each of them yep definitely so from here you end up heading to monarch uh when you get to monarch you meet neoka here um and she's your last companion that you can recruit and she uh takes you to get to a guy named the broker to send some data data to phineas wells and so with her, you're traveling through Monarch outside of the main city. Everything's like fucking wild. Um, this is where like all the bandits and raptodons and stuff are uh, higher leveled and it's craziness. And you get to the broker, you end up having to do some like side missions to ultimately get him to upload the data that Wells needs to uh, him. Uh, along the way, you can complete missions for the Iconoclast and MSI. And you end up needing them to stop using their radio frequencies so that the broker can get his message out to uh, Phineas Wells. And so these two groups, the Iconoclast, are basically like uh, a religious group who's sort of culty, but uh, I don't think they're really bad necessarily, but that's sort of what they're like. And then MSI is the business that's in this Uh, planet and they are no longer certified by the board so their planet is sort of this weird one that like it exists in the colony but it's not like a groundbreaker where it's sort of independent and thriving or you know doing well and does business with the board instead monarch is just kind of well they're there and like um (laughs) are, are just kind of trying to make it on their own and do like some uh black market stuff because you're not legally supposed to trade with them because they got decertified. Yeah. So there, yeah. I, I feel like from what I remember, uh, Monarch was kind of the, the craziest planet. I, I think there was a bunch of like towns or like buildings outside of the main city that were like, just totally destroyed. Everyone was dead. Mm-hmm. Raptodons everywhere. Marauders everywhere. It was, it was pretty like, it was pretty fucked up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was definitely uh, a wreck going on there for for this town, and that they were just trying to, or this planet, and they're just trying to. MSI's goal is to be able to get back into the board, and like, what can we do to be able to make our planet, you know, stable again, basically, and be a part of the board and 
everything, the free trade, the trade, and all of that stuff that's going on. From here, you move on to Byzantium, which is basically like the rich planet. Um, this this would be like um, what District One in Hunger Games or the capital? It, yeah, yeah. It's like where all the the people want to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's very much like District One. That's a good good comparison. <laughs> yeah. So you like get there, and uh, it's totally different. Like. Um, for me, I had Parvati with me, and so she's just like, what is all of this? Like, she feels uncomfortable because it's so different than any other planet she's ever seen or heard of kind of thing. Yeah. Everyone there's, like, aristocratic and doesn't work and mm-hmm. is entitled. Um, all, all that. Yeah. Yep. And why you go there is Wells needs some chemicals that are there to revive the passengers on the Hope. And... Wells has figured out that Minister Clark has been hoarding these. And so you're going to go kind of snoop through Wells's files, or uh, not Wells, Minister Clark's files to be able to find out where this chemical is so Wells can revive the other passengers on the Hope. And you end up sneaking into Minister Clark's house, and you find out that he's basically under house arrest. That Chairman Rockwell, who's the head of the board, um, has essentially commandeered uh, what Minister Clark does and is kind of doing everything in secret and doing things under Minister Clark's name. So Clark is actually like stuck in his house. He can't leave. He, he doesn't uh, go into the office and do work. And then Rockwell is just at work, like doing things in Clark's name, basically. From here, you end up sneaking into the government building, which is called the Ministry of Accuracy and Morale. Um, to get the chemicals, and so you're sneaking through the this uh, government facility that you're not supposed to be in, and you find the chemicals, but they're being used on human test subjects, who are all um, uh, kind of in vats, like in um, Minority Report. Um, yeah. <laughs> they're kind of like that, and so you can take all of the chemicals but the human subjects will die or you can only take 26% and they won't die. And so for me, when I played, I only took the 26% because uh, Wells was like, just get me as much as you can. And I was like, I don't think I want to like kill these people. Yeah. I can't remember. I probably did the same thing because I was trying to play as good as I could. So I probably also did 26%, but yeah, I forget. Well, I guess we can talk about that at the end, end of the game. But yeah, I forget what the consequences are if you don't take a hundred percent. Because there's always a trade-off, you know. There's always like right. They always make it somewhat difficult. There's not like a clear right option, which is I, they again they did that pretty well in this game. Yeah, I, I yeah I think so too. Yeah, I was like I I don't know what's really right here. Uh, definitely a tough choice, for sure. After this, on your way out, you end up speaking to adjunct Sophia Akende and she wants you to turn Wells in and gives you a tracker so she figures out that you've been you've kind of become famous through this point in the game that you've gone through and done things on these planets and made stuff happen and so the board has kind of gotten your you've gotten the board's attention kind of unintentionally I guess and so the board comes to you and is like hey if you can bring us Wells like 
that would be really big. We can reward you. And uh, also, we understand if you'd have a hard time turning him in because, you know, he did, after all, you know, free you from being frozen, basically. Um, <laughs> yeah. so, so, so they act understanding, but basically try to, like, twist your arm slash bribe you into doing what they want. So after this, you end up at Wells' lab. You give him the chemicals you have. And you also can tell him about the tracker if you want, which I did. I told Wells about the tracker that uh, was given to me. And he's like, you should send it. And I was sort of surprised. I was like, oh, really? And he's like, yeah, just scramble the signal. Um, you know, they'll think that you're on their side still. They won't know that you're still with me. Um, but if you don't do it, then they'll think you're bad. So send it, scramble the signal, though, and that'll give me time to basically get my lab ready for them and, you know, ready to fight kind of thing. Yeah, that's... I definitely told him to. It seemed... At, at this point, I think you can also just plant it and not tell him. I think that's an option as well. Mm-hmm. But I, I definitely didn't do that. Yeah, you can also uh, plant it and not tell him. So if at this point, like, from talking with uh, the board, if they convince you kind of, he's a renegade, he's bad for, you know, Halcyon and all of that, you could be like, okay, I'm going to abandon Wells. I'm going to go with uh, Team Board at this point. You could go that route. Um, but for me at this point, I was like, I've seen the board be bad, whereas, like, uh, the Wells stuff sounds more like conjecture or like he's not doing what you want, so he's bad. That's how I sort of felt about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he definitely didn't... Like, the, he doesn't seem bad. I mean, I to be, the whole time I was playing this game, I kind of expected a twist at the end where he was kind of bad. Um, and not that the board was good either, but that he wasn't the savior he claimed to be. But yeah, at this point, if if you're playing through the game and you think the board is somewhat good... I feel like you'd have to be playing a, a bad end or play playing as like a bad person in the playthrough to turn Wells in. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so too. Cause like to me, like watching how the board is acted, it's like, okay, they don't, cl- they clearly don't care about like the planets that they don't think are important that much. You know, like Parvati's planet, we first started uh they're like they're like poor and suffering and the board's like meh whatever figure it out but then one like byzantium can exist it's like you know you don't you don't consider all your colonists equal um value as people and so you know i don't really want to get behind you yeah and and they're just clearly really corrupt even just seeing like um what was that called the uh like chairman rockwell and Minister Clark and that kind of stuff. Like it just, it's again, it's kind of like Hunger Games, where District One like maybe pretends to care about the other districts because they serve some purpose, but they don't actually care about them or their people. Right. They're only about making money and you know protecting how they live. It's yeah, they're they're definitely not good. They definitely don't care about people. That's <laughs> you pick up on that even just from some of the ads for some of like the items you can buy. Mm-hmm. They're definitely just not. They don't give a shit about any of the people. It's it's funny oh yeah on one of the um side quest you do one that stood out to me was the board has a company trying to come up with a diet toothpaste that they can sell like really cheap and the goal of it is to get poor people to like use it so that they will eat less food 
and like take up less resources <laughs> it's like yeah you know but we'll like you know pitch it to them as a beauty product like hey this cheap affordable beauty product and you can like have a slim figure and be attractive and it's like you're like this is totally a, a resource thing to you. you're like we'll give it away to them basically so that they won't eat so much like it's like it's crazy um they're, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're clearly it's also funny it's toothpaste <laughs> yeah yeah um <laughs> Yeah, and they have all sorts of, like, things like that through this game. So, yeah, I was like, yeah, not about it. Um, and so you get kind of two uh, different trajectories you can head. So Phineas Wells asks you to skip the Hope to Terra 2. So he comes up with this crazy plan that's basically, you'll take your ship there and you'll use your power to power up the ship and then you'll just, like, hyper jump it through space. And he wants you to jump it to an area called Terra 2, because that's um, near enough to his lab that he'll be able to work on the Hope and be able to start reviving its passengers. Meanwhile, after planting the tracking device, Sophia Kende calls you, and she says, thanks for doing that. You know, it is kind of scrambled, but uh, we know that was Wells doing that. And so, you know, thank you. We'll get him soon enough. Also, I have a, a crazy idea for you that I think you should do which is I want you to skip the hope to Tartarus, which is kind of the prison planet that exists. So just send them over there. The board's kind of big plan for the hope is they basically want to throw all the existing passengers on the hope into space and get rid of them and then basically freeze people who are alive right now so that they have um, labor for the future, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's like... That's super fucked up. Yeah, super bad. It's like, uh, at this point, you're like, the board's fucking evil. Like, I, I don't know if you could... Unless... I, yeah, it does seem hard to side with the board unless you're going, like, pure bad guy. Or, like, maybe, like, a really strict I-follow-the-law kind of character. Like, if you're like, whatever is legal is what I do, and that's it. You know? Like, I don't, I don't know how... Yeah. I don't know how else you choose to follow the board at this point. Yeah, I guess in one sense I could see if you didn't think that reviving the colonists would help the Halcyon system survive and thrive more, I could see why you would just get rid of them to protect the people that are already there living. That's the only way I think you could justify it. Um, but even that's it's a stretch for sure. Yeah, I agree. I think that that reasoning makes sense. I agree. It's a stretch for sure, like you said. But I, I could see that maybe is that like this will ensure that they at least don't die now or something. But yeah, still still a, yeah, a fucking mess for sure. And so we're going to take a pause in the main story here to talk about our companion quest. As we said before, this game is filled with side quest, um, companion quest, other types of quests. There's a lot of shit you can do. Um, and so I thought it would be important just to hit up the companion quest as, to me, these are probably the most important quest in my opinion because they had to do with your crew. These are really the characters you get to know most through the game, I would say, for sure. Yeah, and I, I definitely actually didn't do all of these. I think I did half of them. Okay. Well, I guess... Do you... I think you have to do Ellie's to get her, don't you? Yeah, several yeah. of these ones you have to do them to get them. So, and then some of them have more quests. So, I guess we'll we'll just kind of start running through them. And I guess with this too, 
these of course aren't chronological you could do these whenever you want basically once you meet them but so vicar max his uh he first asked you to find a banned book uh on his like quest to figure out like the system behind the universe or whatever and you get it for him but then it's in french which he can't read um so then you go after you <laughs> that's pretty funny yeah <laughs> so then you go after the guy that told vicar max about the book and harass that guy and you find out that he took it from a hermit on another planet uh when he was like raiding basically so you go to the hermit and you end up going on a vision quest basically so <laughs> you end up i don't know if you actually do this or if it just seemed that way but you basically like take mushrooms and trip and have visions <laughs> um yep <laughs> And Max's mom ends up being in the vision and, like, talks to him about stuff. You you, you and your other companion can also see this, so it's like a shared, I don't know, vision quest experience. And Max basically realizes that, oh, trying to find, like, meaning behind the universe was wrong you can't figure it out instead life is random and you need to like live with it in the moment basically kind of thing yeah i I, uh yeah this is one of the ones i definitely did it was really funny when he got the book and couldn't read it that was (laughs) yeah hilarious (laughs) yeah that was funny he was pissed and then for sam the only mission you have with him is you need to find some parts um and then install them in sam so pretty low-key there uh, next up is Pravardi. Uh, so her missions uh, surround her crush on Junlei. So first you take her out to the bar and talk to her about her crush. And Pravardi expresses, like, she's never drank before, so she's, like, doesn't know what she's doing anyway and is kind of a, like, if you were drinking with your lightweight friend and then they just start telling you everything. That's basically what this <laughs> is. Yep. And you can uh, choose to, you know, respond to her in a variety of ways. I always chose the nice ways because that's how I played my character. Um, So, you know, I was pretty nice and affirming to her. And she's like, oh, I like Junlei, but, like, how could she like me? She's, like, normal mechanic and I'm me. And, you know, just being like, no, you're cool. And she also brings up being asexual. So she's, like, romantically attracted to Junlei, but she's like, yeah, I've had, like, uh, boyfriends or girlfriends it seemed in the past before but like I don't like sex kind of thing so you, you get this sort of background on her and I would say just build more rapport with her uh, which is cool later on you have a, another side quest with her where she asks Junlei out and Junlei says yes and you get some uh, interaction before this where they're like sending each other like mechanic poetry which is funny <laughs> yeah it was so lame <laughs> yeah it's like it's really lame but it's like cute because it's them but it's totally lame it's great then you help her get like all the things she needs for a perfect date so you have to like fly to a certain planet to get like a cake you fly to another place to get clothes for her and you know all this stuff you basically do a bunch of side quests so that she can have the perfect date with Junlei and uh you get all that stuff and she does and it's really great so um that's Pravardi's side quest I would say also for me when I was at the bar with Pravardi and 
she's like talking about how she has a crush on Jun Lee. That's where I bought into the game. I was like, okay, this game is good. I like this game. Um, just her like, uh, I don't know, going over all of that. That's where I was like officially in, personally. Yeah, this was. I was already pretty into the game, but this definitely made me like Parvati the most. And I think, from what I remember, out of the companion side quests I did, hers was the most enjoyable and the longest. Yeah. But it was definitely, it felt like the most personal side quest, uh, companion side quest. There were other ones were definitely personal because they involved the characters and something they wanted, but this one felt like the most, like, I'm actually helping her out in some actual way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought so too. Hers, I think she had the best quest as well, uh, side, like companion quest for sure. There was another one that we'll get to in a second that I liked a lot, but I thought hers was quite good. Next up is Ellie's quest. So first she's after this acquaintance she knows um, who's on the run from the board, and you end up resolving her debt uh, with this person, and Ellie's then able to join your crew. Um, And you find out that Ellie's basically like a... I don't like owing anyone anything. So I want to like, if I'm ever in debt, I want to get out of debt as fast as possible so that I don't owe anyone anything. Like, it's pretty like transactional in her, I don't know, relationships with people. And it's basically mm-hmm. like, yeah, I want to be even all the time. And like, I'm, I want to be able to do what I want. Yeah. So even when you recruit her, she makes a bunch of points about how like, she doesn't owe you and if she does she's you know her coming on board is paying off how we got her debt wiped away that that kind of stuff yep exactly and then um the next quest you can do for her is you visit ellie's parents who uh live in byzantium so this is funny uh turn of events is her parents uh are district one right they're they're the rich people and ellie's a rich kid who's like on full rebellion and has decided to be like a outlaw medic because <laughs> fuck my parents like you know that kind of thing um yeah <laughs> which is funny but when you get to her parents to kind of go gloat and be like she wants to take you there and be like look at what a rough crowd i run with like i'm rugged and so are my <laughs> friends that's kind of her goal but when you get there you find out that her parents claimed her as dead when she went you know missing five years ago when she just like ran away from home and they use the money that they get from her life insurance to, like, make their house nicer. They stopped working. Like, all of this stuff. And they're like, oh, like, you're here. Like, don't let the neighbors see. Like, <laughs> it's really fucked up. <laughs> yeah, they're fucking douchebags. And so <laughs> you have this kind of conversation. And you have, for me, like, uh, because of how I played, I'm like, Ellie, they're assholes. Like, you're fine as a person. You don't need them kind of thing. And she's like... Again, still her. She's like, no, transactional. Like, all right, we got to get them back. And so you can help Ellie basically reroute the money uh, for her life insurance policy to go to her. Um, So she's still dead. Um, Her real name is something that's not Ellie. I forget what it is. (laughs) But you change it to is Ellie as the recipient of it. And so you go and make that happen. And she's able to get money, uh, the money that's hers that her parents were claiming. Yeah, great. Stick it to him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, then Nioka, and her quest is she's basically looking for closure. She had an old team uh, that she ran with. She wants to put them to rest in their old base. So she had a crew of, like, 
six people who were like mercenaries like her and they just like were like a family and like fuck shit up together made bounties had a base were close together all of that but unfortunately they've all been killed since you know in in the last year or so or something and so what you do is you go and get closure for this so two of them had kind of run off and so you go and f- try to find them you find out they're dead you take their medallions you then have to head back to their old base which was uh taken over by the manta queen and like other monsters basically um, and so you have to kind of kill your way through the base and then you're able to finally like lay everyone to rest leave all their medallions there and like complete her quest yeah this is i think there's another one i i did you and I, you actually have to do this to get her don't you you have to do some of it okay you don't have to do all of it but i think you do have to do a part of it to get her okay yeah i definitely remember going and killing the manta queen and all that stuff yeah i like this quest i thought this one was pretty good um i was into this one like that she cared about her team and like wanted that resolved like i thought that was cool i enjoyed this side quest um and then lastly felix's quest is you do a bounty on this like wannabe revolutionary it's someone that like felix like looked up to and you find out that they're basically like lame and they're like sellouts to the board i think uh and stuff like that so um felix is disappointed his hope was like misplaced and thinking these people were cool and were like gonna start a revolution when really it's like it's the same shit they're just acting differently yeah i i don't think i did his yeah i'm pretty sure i didn't do his okay yeah so okay those are all the companion quests now we'll jump back into the main storyline. Main storyline, you head to the Hope. Um, and so you repower it. And on your way to repowering it, you have to destroy some like security robots that are on the boat. Or on the Hope. <laughs> the boat. <laughs> it, it's basically a boat. It's like a freight. It is. It's a space boat. Space boat. But yeah. <laughs> and so then you have your uh, definitive moment. Where will you skip it to? I skip it to Terra 2, like Wells asked me. Because um, fuck the board. Yeah, I, I did the same. Yep. And once you do this, you end up receiving a distress message from Wells. Um, and he's like, oh, man, they like the board came it with me with more than they had, like, over and out, basically, like, kind of rough. So you head to Wells' lab, and you find it ransacked. But when you're going through his stuff, you find a file on his computer uh, that's kind of his, like, um, last will and testament sort of thing. And it's like, they're taking me... Uh, if this is your your character, like, come save me. Um, uh, you know, the, the galaxy's in your hands if you can't save me, kind of thing. You talk to your crew and are like, we gotta go save them. They're like, yeah, we do. And they get on board and they're down. So you head to Tartarus, that you're gonna go to the prison city to break him out. And when you get there for me, some soldiers from Groundbreaker also show up to help, uh, which was cool because um, I had a good relationship with Groundbreaker, so they were in on uh, this attack, which was cool. You fight your way through the prison, killing a bunch of people. Yeah, badass. <laughs> I end up finding Chairman Rockwell, and he's, like, talking shit, so I just killed him. <laughs> yeah, I-, I killed him as quickly as I could, too. Yeah, I was, he, you know... It- it was funny because it was supposed to be like this like standoff discussion and i was like nah i'm just gonna kill you like you 
you know, I've killed my way here so far. What makes you think I won't kill you? Yeah. That's, <laughs> I don't even know if I said much to him. I think I just killed him. Nice. Then uh, Sophia Kende has Wells and gets you in sort of like a standoff position, but then you kill her and free Wells. Um, you don't have to kill either of them, but I killed them. What At this point, I was like, fuck the board. I'm going to kill everyone on the board kind of thing. Um, <laughs> if you're on the board, you don't get to live. <laughs> yeah, that's that's reasonable. <laughs> They've been shitty this whole time. Uh, yeah, that was basically my thought. Is you've been oppressive this whole time. Like, if if we were to try to reason with you, I feel like you would try to, um, like slip back into doing the same shit, basically. So yeah, definitely. I was like, we're not we're not going to build a new future with you guys. Sorry, you're done. And so then, this game has a variety of endings that can really go. So we'll run through the two main ones. Yeah, there's two, I guess, main endings, but then each ending has a lot of variations it could have. So this is not all-encompassing at all, but um, the two basic endings. The first one is the side with Wells endings. And what happens is uh, Wells is able to wake up some of the hope scientists engineers stuff like that i guess that the ship you were on was full of a lot of the earth's capable people so you know wells is able to wake some of them up and the colony is on the verge of collapse right it's been a fucking mess the whole time you've been playing this game and you also can't go back to earth they haven't heard from earth in a long time and even if you tried to take your ships back they wouldn't, like, make it. So you have to, like, just try to make it work here. They band together and try to save Halcyon. They say, uh, the people of Halcyon were... This This is a quote. So in, in the epilogue, you get, like, a lot of stuff read to you, which is pretty interesting. But um, it says this, and I think just quoting it word for word is good enough. Uh, it says, the people of Halcyon were nothing if not hardy. In the absence of the board's authority... Many of the colony settlements banded together with a single purpose in mind, survival. Life was especially hard in the years to come. Some towns dissolved by a, a, a attribution and starvation, but most of them found a way to carry on. In the years that came, Halcyon was forced to reckon with its newfound freedom. The board was gone, and for better or for worse, the, con- the colony was responsible for its own destiny. So, yeah, this is the ending I got, and, you know felt like cool um we're we're getting a second chance and let's see if the colonies can make it basically yeah that's the ending i got too it it definitely feels hopeful it's not as like happy as i would have expected but it's uh realistic and seems like things yeah going in a good direction like you had said it's like it's a pretty good ending yeah um (laughs) there's a part in this ending that's funny too where it's like the people at Byzantium, even some of them were forced to have jobs. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, like, fuck them. Yeah, for real. Um, now, okay, the board ending, this would be if you uh, end up siding with the board. What happens is Phineas Wells ends up going to Tartarus anyway, except instead he has, uh, I think, Sophia Kende or Chairman Rockwell as a hostage instead. So he's like, oh, I'm going to free all the prisoners and we're going to fight the board, is sort of how that goes. So the endings here, uh, it says, um, so the riots in Tartarus end with a total victory for the board um, without any threats against their power. 
The board asserted their control over the colony. Uh, the lifetime employment program uh, begins immediately. And the people of Halcyon do what exactly what was expected. They obeyed. Um, Akende converts the lab. Uh, uh, so she throws the original colonist out. <laughs> Uh, like like they plan to, and makes a storage facility. Uh, it says here, one by one, the workers of Halcyon surrendered themselves to the program. They arrived with their families and their friends, their colleagues and their neighbors. And then, one by one, they marched into the stasis chambers. As workers from Halcyon slept in hibernation chambers, their settlements became ghost towns, left behind by the board to be reclaimed by nature. Only Byzantium remained, a shiny beacon of a civilization otherwise abandoned colony. The people of Byzantium spent their life gorging themselves on their stockpile of resources. As the workers of Halcyon, they never felt the effects of the collapse. They never felt anything at all. It's a bad, sad ending. <laughs> yeah, very, very doomsday of that they're just frozen in time, like you were before the game began. Yep, and presumably to probably never wake up because it looks like shit's just going to end uh yeah it seems like byzantium will just like live in pleasure until they die and then the people frozen in space will remain there so (laughs) real bad yep not not much hope there no not at all we've got a little bit of feedback from people i asked about uh what their endings were andrew on twitter said he sided with phineas so yep same yep me too brockers on Reddit said I was on the board side until they asked me to genocide an entire town, so I turned on them. My motivation was entirely based on making as much money as possible. My ending was made up of various morally dubious choices, such as doing whatever Sublight asked me of me and wiping out the iconoclasts. So kind of maybe more on the, the bad, I guess, quote-unquote, bad play, play style. I don't know. Yeah. Also, you know, the ending recaps we gave are short. You actually get one for like each of the planets and actually even each of your companions. So your endings can really vary. Um, there's one quest that uh, with the Iconoclast where you like steal this super weapon and you can give it to the Iconoclast and they kill MSI or you can give it to MSI and they kill the Iconoclast. And I got it, but I didn't give it to either because I didn't want them to kill each other. And then they just all died because they killed each other. So, um, I think that's what I did too. I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I thought I was doing a good thing, but ended up being a bad one. So, <laughs> oops. Yeah. Lastly, Fussero on Reddit says, "I can't remember the details, but I woke up the crew of the Hope and started working on the food crisis." So, same as us again, working on the food crisis, trying to figure it out. So, that's the Outer Worlds itself. So from here, we'll move into some general thoughts. One thing, I guess actually, first is I thought this was a cool game. I enjoyed it. I did a lot of side quests. Um, I ended up spending quite a bit of time in the game doing a lot of different stuff and found it pretty engaging. Like I, I enjoyed my time a lot with this game. Uh, definitely good stuff. Yeah, same. This was, yeah, it was a very fun game. There, there was some... Uh, some things I had issues with, not like crazy ones. We can, I'll talk about those in a little bit, but yeah, overall, I also did most of the side quests, explored as much as I could and really enjoyed the game. To, to me, it felt a, like a uh, good mixture of like Borderlands and, and like Mass Effect. Uh, you got some like the, the dry humor, like Borderlands, 
Also, some of the combat felt like that, and then some of the companion system and sci-fi-iness of Mass Effect. Mm-hmm. So, to me, that felt like a mixture of those two games, which I thought was really, really cool. Right. Both games are first-person, like, shooter style, right? Mass Effect is that yeah. way, right? Uh, no, that's third. Mass Effect is third, but Borderlands is first. Yeah, okay. Borderlands is, is first-person, for sure. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, for Mass Effect, I was like, is it? I don't remember, like... Since we played that like a year ago, so it's been a, it's yeah, a little fuzzy. Yeah. Um, it might be third and first, but I definitely remember playing in third person. I think you're right. Maybe you can choose, and I played in third also. Yeah, I generally prefer third person in games. But, Same. But, you know, whatever. This was fine. Like, I, like it wasn't, but it didn't take away anything from me playing in first person. I just had to get used to it after a little bit, um, but it was good. I guess on your topic with Mass Effect, something I liked in this game is that there weren't romance options. I know in sometimes games with like companions and all of that, you can have romance options. And I really like playing Pravardi's wingman way more than having a romance, personally. I thought that was cool and, like, yeah, I was just about that. So I thought that was a good move here. Yeah, that, that was cool. I per, This is my personal opinion. I think romance and stuff like that, they can take away from the main story and kind of what I like about these games, which is like exploring, getting loot, shooting things, finding the lore. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes, yeah, like the, the relational aspect, relationship stuff, I think can kind of distract from some of that. But like you said, yeah, uh, helping Pravardi, that felt way more like a side quest. Well, I guess it was. It, it, it felt way more like uh, I was progressing the story and helping a companion as opposed to this was just something that's added into the game just because. Yeah. So I, I, de- I definitely like that too. Yeah. I think that like for, I think romance in a game, I think I would rather it be like, it's just canon. I think I'd rather have that than choosing it, you know, like uh, choosing a character to like try to date or whatever. I think I'd rather it just be like these characters date and you just kind of play with that in mind. Like, I think I'd rather it be less of a choice, I think. Yeah. That's fair. I I just don't particularly care that much about it either way. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I generally just skip those parts if it's a if it's a choice. But sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just overall really liked the board. I mean, the board sucked, but I liked how they just made it so much about like, uh, you know, people were just resources to make money. Every, there there wasn't like a real government. It was all just controlled by yeah the board, this conglomerate of companies that were all about making money. So just I liked the humor that came along with that, and I also liked bringing down the board. I think it just became a really cool, um, like the board just became a really cool bad guy, like a this evil idea that was uh, enjoyable to like fight against and and take down. I, I really liked that there wasn't like a main bad person that was you're fighting against. It was like uh, this idea, this uh, like government, I guess, but it's not really a government group of people i that i think that was well done yeah i liked um capitalism turned up to 100 that's your enemy yeah you know is hey what if we let capitalism go as far as it could go you know let let's say that instead you know the board members the most powerful companies they're actually the one that lead our country because i mean come on you know like that's that's what they like put forward and you're like oh it's a shit show and they like fuck over most people yeah, let's fucking kill them. Like, <laughs> yeah, surprise, surprise. <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was, uh, <laughs> I thought that made for a good or interesting adversary, as um, 
instead of like even like Chairman Rockwell, it was like he he was less of a character and more of just the guy who led the board, which was good. I think just that like the board is bad, the board is our enemy. Like I I thought that was great. Yeah, de- definitely. Um, I I liked it not being one person that was bad. It was the idea. I think that was something different than games I'd played before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. One thing I didn't like in this game, which I realized is just a thing I don't like in general, but it took this game making me realize it, is I don't like custom creating characters. I'm not interested in that at, at all. Like, at the beginning when I was having to, like, choose a name, what does my character look like? Um, you know, all of that stuff. Choose my attributes and any of that. I didn't, I didn't like doing that, and it made me realize, oh, I just don't like that as a thing. Um, I would far rather have it assigned. And so when I assigned mine, I basically went pretty generic. I made a character and made it what they look like. So I just made a character that looked like Max Caulfield and called her Max. Because <laughs> that, <laughs> nice. that's, that's, I've realized that's what I do if I have to make a character is I just make it Max. Um, <laughs> but I don't like having to do it. I'd far rather have a character that's assigned and however they're like is what they are. And then I chose like a normal disposition or whatever. I didn't choose being good at anything. I just chose normal and was like, I don't know what I'll like, so I'll just start here. Like, I don't know. I'd way rather have this assigned. Custom creation is not for me. I know a lot of people like it, but I this game made me know, yeah, that's not my shit. I'm not into it. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually really like this kind of stuff. So this, yeah, this is right up my alley. Yeah, give me as much RPG elements as you can. I'll take them. But th- this kind of goes into what something I was not super happy about but like to so to me like you know you you custom create a character what they look like all this stuff but since there's no third person view you never see yourself oh yeah so it's kind of pointless to me uh to make like custom create character like i i get like the attributes and stuff i think that's just necessary for an rpg uh well one like this it's not in all of them but like yeah the designing how your character looks seems kind of totally useless if you can't see your character ever so to me i would have liked to have a third person view one because i like to see what it looked like and i like to see what like stuff i'm wearing and things like that but then two it to me it just kind of made the creation useless you know so i i I wish they would have made a first and third person option like some rpgs do nowadays that would have been cool that's true because then i guess what it's just what you're wearing in your menu screen when you'd like go there you could see yourself that that was something too actually so in this game you wear like armor and uh a helmet and stuff like that so you can make it where you can't see yourself like i am (laughs) i played the whole game without giving pavardi a helmet because i was like well you should show your face still even though it would probably be better for you in fighting to have a helmet i was like i think they had an option where you could turn off helmets like you you would still wear it but you wouldn't oh wouldn't show it yeah a lot of games do that that's good i miss that 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 that's definitely better it seems sort of stupid to like even for the armor i feel like you should wear clothes that look cool even if like (laughs) i don't know if they're gonna let you choose the clothes like like i was wearing like bulky ass armor like i just got whatever the heaviest armor i got i wore that and so i look like someone from halo basically the whole time and it was like yeah which is awesome yeah which looks fucking cool but like if your character is supposed to look you know if you want how your character is supposed to look you could probably look way different and look cool you know like yeah true like i don't know if they're just gonna be armored the fuck up why did i have the option to like know what they look like even but also yeah i guess any of my criticisms here is like 
this isn't my shit, so you know I should be disregarded first. Um, people who people <laughs> yeah. who care more about it should certainly have their opinions listened to before me. Yeah, fair enough. My my last general, very general thought on this is, I really liked this. This was just like a standalone title, original idea, totally different. I thought it was really cool. Like in a in a game world or game video game culture i don't know where there's a lot of series which are really good that i enjoy a lot and a lot of remakes is like it's really refreshing to me when there's a a game like this that's just totally new totally different it's not based on anything it's just someone creative just made it um it's standalone i I really i really enjoyed that about this game yeah i i like that too i think when new ips come along that's a good thing like i don't know it's easy for things to like series to go on and like if it's a series i like then of course i want more of it but like it's cool when something new shows up. I agree. I had, yeah, two two last thoughts. Um, one is the loading screens in this game were really bad. They took, yeah, they, took, they were. They took so long. And they did have fun advertisements on them, which was good. That helped out, especially in the beginning of the game, is, you know, each advertisement that would show up were new. Uh, and they'd have something funny like diet toothpaste or, you know, info about the world and stuff. But... They took a while, and, like, partway through the game, once I'd visited everywhere, I did, like, a ton of fast travel. So it would be, like, you know, do a thing, fast travel, play on my phone for, like, five minutes, come back, <laughs> come back, do the thing real quick, fast travel again. You know, like, there, there are parts where it was it was rough, and I'm not normally one to even complain about that stuff. I don't really care. Um, like, I'm like, whatever, it's a game. It's got to do what it's got to do. It's fine. Um, but this one was noticeable enough that I would, I was like, I don't like that. I wish this was better. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. That was annoying. I, I totally agree. The loading screens were way too long. And then after a while you've seen all them before, so they're not that interesting. Yeah. That, that hurt by the end when I was like having to use them a lot and like fast traveling everywhere and stuff. I was just like, Oh, I have to keep like, (laughs) I have to keep seeing these. Like it's not fun anymore. Uh, so not great. I hope that that I hope that that's something that's better for like people in the future that play it. Like if it gets upgraded for PS5 or uh, Xbox Series X or whatever. Like I hope that that stuff gets fixed and is they're shorter or less frequent or whatever. Yeah, that would be nice for sure. Yeah, and um, yeah. Last comment is um, thoughts from player one who were on a recent episode uh, with me. Uh, they did an episode on Outer Worlds. Definitely go check that out if you're looking for more Outer Worlds. I think that they liked the game less than we did, so uh, if you want some of those takes, they would definitely have them or maybe different uh, theories on stuff. So definitely recommend it. I'm looking forward to listening to the episodes uh, now that we've done ours. So check them out for sure. And uh, yeah, I guess from here we'll jump into some listener feedback of what uh, other people thought about Outer Worlds in general. First up, we've got Tom on Twitter who says, My expectations were too high, and they shouldn't have been. I was expecting New Vegas in space, which is a far cry from what this game was trying to achieve. I loved the characters and the dialogues, but many aspects of it felt lackluster to me. It's a good game, and it shows what Obsidian can be capable of, I just wanted more out of it. Um, so, liked it, but was hoping for more. Yeah, and that's that's fair. I mean, I think if it was more like New Vegas, I would have been way happier. 
But I, I enjoyed it for what it was. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, we got Mike on Twitter said, I'm conflicted. It has Mass Effect vibes, but only one companion is really as interesting as a Bioware character. It has Fallout New Vegas vibes, but the mission structure slash choices don't feel as broad or dynamic. It has the corporate satire, but I'm not sure what their quote-unquote point was. Okay. So, for Mike, it sounds like it it did bits of things, but it never quite went there for him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dave on Twitter says what Cyberpunk uh, 2077 should have been. Easily one of the best critiques of corporatism I've seen in a game. Um, yeah, I guess for me, I don't know how many games I've played that cor- critique corporatism, but I thought this did do a good job, like we were saying earlier, is... I felt they were like, yeah, this is what capitalism at the end of itself is. So, yeah, this shit sucks. It's not good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, on 10, it's really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Nikki on Twitter said, I'm not far into it yet, but I love it. It feels like the brilliant love child of Mass Effect and Bioshock with a hint of Fallout, and therefore it's amazing. The characters are great. The whole look of the game is great, and it's fun. So we got a, got a lover of that, which is great. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Uh, Connor on Twitter said, I just wish that I'd kept playing it. For some reason, I can't place it. I made it a few hours in before I put it down. It's not that I didn't enjoy it. It's just it didn't quite hook me. Hopefully, I'll get back to it someday. Um, I could see that. I feel like if I would have stopped before going to the bar with Pravardi, I think that I could have seen stopping then, potentially. Um, But that was that spot where that hooked me, and that's probably... Uh, several hours in. So I wonder if Connor was like just before that. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Cat Lizzle on Reddit said, I'm not very far into the game, but I love it. It has the perfect amount of story and combat to keep me interested. I'm more interested in the story of the game than a ton of fighting, and I always have trouble finding games that aren't mostly combat with a tiny bit of story, but this game is exactly what I've been looking for. That's great. Which is awesome. Yeah, great. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I think that this balanced that well, too. It didn't feel like I was just playing a shooter that had a story on the side. Um, but there was a lot of a shooter, um, like Nikki alluded to with, like, Bioshock. It does feel in that sort of brand where it's it's a first-person shooter still, but, uh, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of good lore and stuff like that, so I think that's cool. Yeah, it, yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, next up, we've got uh, Dulku on Reddit. It said, on first playthrough, I liked it a lot. On Upon further play, I realized how much content it was lacking. An Outer Worlds 2 with a bigger budget and more development would have been much welcome, but the first one leaves much to be desired. Um, that's too bad uh, to feel that way. I would be interested in an Outer Worlds 2 and seeing what they would do with it. Like, I think they've got a cool idea and... Uh, yeah, I'd play another one. Yeah, I, I would definitely play another one, too. Uh, cool, we got Warden on Reddit. says, my favorite thing was the individual planetary stories. I don't think the main quest line was that good. That sucks. I, I enjoyed I enjoyed all the stories, personally. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think I liked all of them, too. I did like the planetary stories and, like, what was going on there as you, like you know, did a bunch of side quests on one planet for a while. That was fun to kind of see, okay, this is what the vibe is here. Like, that was cool. Yeah. 
Uh, Brockers on Reddit said, I really enjoyed how the leveling system worked, how you could customize armors, and how smooth combat felt in with a dodge feature. I disliked how, despite all the customization choices, most of them made the same aesthetic changes rather than unique ones. Uh, for example, all the armor kits add the same shimmering silver pattern when each kit should have been a different color. I would have liked perks that allowed for armor specialization to give more reason to wear specific armor types. Um, the clothes being like light, medium, and heavy. Uh, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's fair. I, I definitely felt like the um, armor, the, like there's no, not many unique things. It was all kind of similar. Um, and also, again, there, it wasn't third person, so I couldn't really see it, so I didn't care as much. Mm, yeah. Um, Zachro on Reddit says, Story was good, characters were great, and all the endings except the joke one felt anticlimactic. Good ideas let down by lackluster combat, and the story needed more space to grow in the second half. So, it seems like we're getting a, a wide variety of opinions here about, like, some of the combat and the story and, and um, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it seems like different parts resonated with people differently. Like, some people liking the combat a lot, uh, but not liking the story or the opposite. You know, it, yeah, it does seem like there's kind of a range of opinions, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Vito on Reddit said good, but too short. And, um, I was thinking about this and I guess there's two ways I could see it. One is if you do just the main quest line, I think that's like, I don't know, 10 or 12 hours. So if you were expecting something like new Vegas, that would be like super short, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Way short. Cause new Vegas, I think I, I haven't played it. So this would be something you'd know, but I would imagine even if you do the main quest line, it's probably still like 30 hours. Yeah, it's, it's a huge game. And then uh, expanding that, doing all the side quests, I'm sure New Vegas is like 60 hours or something like that. Yeah, uh, probably more. Yeah, um, 60, 80, 100. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, it's like that's pretty big versus this. I think I did almost all of the side quest, and I think I was done in under 25 hours. Yeah. Yeah, 25, 30, probably, like, something like that. Yeah, which, like, I mean, it's a big game, but it's not, like, uh, the biggest game. Or, like, it's it's a, or a decent-sized game, I guess, to me, but not, not uh, fucking enormous, like New Vegas or, I don't know, something like Red Dead 2 or Red Witcher or something like that that are kind of known for being big. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I wonder if they'd change that in a, a sequel or something that next that they make. Yeah, that'd be interesting if they'd make it bigger, maybe add more planets. I don't know. Yeah, guess we'll find out. Wancho on Reddit said, I love the game. It has the vibe of No Man's Sky with all the vibrant colors and cool creatures. It has buildings, loading screens, and tech that reminds me of Bioshock and several possible outcomes, which makes it replayable more than once. Which I, I agree. I don't nice. know if uh, they're saying that they like the loading screens because I, I didn't, but... Everything else I agree with. Yeah. Now we're actually getting to a section where we've got some bigger comments. So, you know, strap in, I guess. Uh, so, first up, we've got Apes Tech on Reddit, who says, My favorite things about the game, the facial animations, dialogue. I've loved watching the animations these characters tried to show concern or anger, etc. I think they did an amazing job with the faces. Dialogue ties into that because I say out of all games I've played this generation, this one... Uh, 
is one of a few that had interesting dialogue. Least favorites, uh, a variety. The locations do become samey, as well as the creatures you fight. I feel it's really easy to become a jack-of-all-trades no matter how you play or who you side with. Leveling up plus the flaw system makes it easy, in my opinion, to be good at everything. You can make a dumb character and still be able to succeed at log pick and lock pick and dialogue check. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think those are good kind of on each side of this. And I thought the dialogue was pretty good in this game too. I did feel like I could see it changing based on how I acted, uh, which was good. Yeah, the the dialogue with interacting with other characters they did seem pretty responsive to what you were saying and how you're saying it. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, the voice acting and facial expressions were, I say, they were on point. Very good. Mm-hmm. Um, Yachlo, I think, on Reddit, says, uh, favorite things. I'd say my favorite things are the companions in the skill tree format. They did have a, they had a really, they did a really good job formatting the skill tree to be useful while still forcing you to prioritize a bit. And the companions are all individual and have their own ways of making you interested in them. Least favorite. Though I don't have a lot of complaints with the game, there are two things I'll mention. One being more general than anything extremely specific. Specific. The first thing is that I wish the game was longer and or had more content. I understand that they had a budget and a tight schedule, so my hopes are that there'll be another bigger sequel. The second one is that a specific part of a quest that I absolutely cannot stand, um, where you're going on a quote-unquote tour of the colony for the guy in Byzantium, and you have to jump out of the protective bubble on Scylla, interact with something in return without dying. The amount of times I died in that spot, even while using dodging uh, TTD and other tricks, is infuriating. I actually don't remember that part, but... Um, yeah, I kind of wonder if I did... It sounds annoying. Yeah, I agree. It sounds annoying. I don't know if I did that quest either. Um, but, yeah. That makes sense. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, next up, we've got Gerard on uh, Reddit. says, I liked it on the whole, though the lower budget compared to its competitor shows... Mostly in the lack of systems and game complexity. Too few armor variants and likewise weapons stuck out in particular. Reskinning the same few models wasn't enough. Generally, I would say they pick their battles well, doing what they did to a high quality. The Mass Effect uh, micro locale system was a good choice. The armor system could have used more thought. I found it nearly impossible to commit to using anything uh, but heavy armor because the trade-offs with anything else never added up. I think this might have been due to the way the armor was presented to the player, with one big important number uniting, dominating in the UI. At least this problem didn't seem to affect the weapons, as skills could validate any choice, but there was no skills associated to different armor classes, no way to improve the work shirt into something viable, and that reduced the roleplay possibilities. Look at Ballistic Weave in Fallout 4. A simple but valuable idea that makes a whole swath of player builds possible. A skill or perk in the Outer Worlds could have done something similar with a little dev time. They did something tangentially in the Gorgon DLC where they added a perk to make tools into viable weapons. Given that many of the perks came off boring, it seems like they left a lot of table left a lot on the table in that department. The writing was generally of superior quality. A lot of developers could learn from the example Obsidian set. 
the branching conversation choices were excellent. Um, I think that last point on the branching conversations, again, I thought that was really good. It was clear that like your conversation could go a variety of ways based on how you responded. Because every conversation you had, there's probably like four responses, like one really kind, one a dickhead one, and then like two other ones. And you could tell that they were going to respond those ways as opposed to in um, other games with less like good dialogue trees. They'll basically respond the same way no matter what in other games. This, I think, did that super, super well. Yeah, I totally agree. I I'd actually had forgotten about that feature, but I remember the dialogue was so good, I think I'd go back through when I had the option and like I would just go through every dialogue option mm. to hear everything they had to say. Mm. So I, I thought, yeah, they made that really engaging. Mm-hmm. Um, last up, uh, Fusro on Reddit said, favorite things about the game. The atmosphere and the writing. Characters were witty, believable, and I was interested in meeting everyone uh, to hear what they had to say. The Firefly meets Fallout, quote-unquote, vibe was also awesome, too. And I was completely on board from start to finish. Least favorite, poor gameplay variety, lackluster emergent storytelling and exploration. While the combat was serviceable, there were far too uh, few enemy types and weapon options. The only exception for weapon variety is uh, possibly pistols because there's some pretty cool unique ones. Unfortunately, it's borderline impossible to tinker them up to in-game damage numbers. Uh, The Outer Worlds did not do a stellar job of encouraging exploration for several reasons. Unfortunately, I have to compare it to Fallout 4, which, for all its faults, made exploration way more fun. For one, Fallout 4 had the crafting system, which meant you had an insatiable appetite for random garbage you find in secondary locations. For two, there was a little tone-appropriate mini-story told throughout logs and the environment uh, that was always fun to find, and the Outer Worlds had very little of that. Finally, some of with some expectations, or exceptions, sorry, Fallout did a much better job of varying the atmosphere, which made different locations feel unique. Other than the Hope and the Roseway map, a lot of the Outer Worlds had a similar vibe throughout, which isn't a huge complaint since the game is short, but still something that makes exploration less interesting. Overall, the Outer Worlds... With my second favorite RPG I played in recent memory, it was first until Disco Elysium, and thought it accomplished everything it set out to. I can't wait to see what they have planned for the sequel, especially since uh, this was a hit and now Obsidian has Microsoft money. For all of Microsoft's faults, they've seemingly given studios the support they need to realize their creative vision. I like that hands-off approach. That's a good point. Now that Obsidian's bought by Microsoft, they should be able to just throw money at really big, cool games. That's true. I, I guess that really, if they wanted to, you could probably throw a lot of money at Outer Worlds, Outer Worlds 2 and make it a Xbox exclusive and potentially rake in some cash doing that. Yeah. I don't I don't know if Microsoft is going to go that route or not, but they could, and uh, I mean, it might be a good idea. Yeah, I hope they don't, because I don't... I'm probably going to get the PS5, so <laughs> that would kind of screw me over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would screw me over also. I would, I am going to buy a PS5 someday too, so um, <laughs> I hope they don't screw it over. I guess Microsoft could just be like, we'll just own the studios of the games you'll want to play, but we'll put them out everywhere. I could see that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's our listener feedback. That's The Outer Worlds. Um, so... Yeah, that's the game. If you've got other thoughts on it, um, hit us up. You can uh, tweet at us on Twitter at StoryEverPod. Our website's thegreateststoryeverplayed.com, uh, where there's a backlog of all of our episodes. 
If you would like to support the podcast financially, you can do that at patreon.com slash the greatest story ever played for as little as a dollar per month. That will get you access to bonus episodes that we do uh, once a month um, that hit up on different topics of things like uh, our favorite Pokemon or our favorite games from childhood or uh, The Mandalorian Season 1, stuff like that. So if that sounds like something you'd be into, definitely check that out. Um, If you'd like to help the podcast out but uh, aren't able to financially, uh, if you could rate and review us on wherever you get your podcast, Podchaser, uh, Apple Podcast, whatever, that would be super helpful just in um, getting this in front of more people that we can... um, enjoy games together more with more people. That would be awesome. And, um, yeah, that's the episode, and we'll see you next time. See ya. See ya.